0: Please open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. The book of Ephesians, chapter 3. You are a child of God. We just sang it to our Lord. We just acknowledged and recognized who we are and the position we find ourselves in as a born-again believer who has put their complete trust in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. And Paul, throughout the book of Ephesians, at least chapters 1 through 3, he's talking about the blessings or the riches or the wealth that comes from us being adopted into God's family. And at that position, there comes great wealth or spiritual blessings that come with being in that position. And Paul is spending at least two chapters now into chapter three that truth that as a child of God, you have been given much. Not that you can earn it. No, not that you deserve it. Absolutely not. And that there's nothing you can go forward and try to get more from it except just understand you're a child of God and your heavenly father loves you. That he has a calling on your life as a child of God that he has a plan and a purpose for your life, and all we have to do is rest in that position, that position of grace and mercy that he has shown to us, and just know that he loves us, and let us breathe in and out every day and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? And then, God, give me this, your spirit to empower me to do it, because I know I can't do it in my own strength. And I've tried to lean on my own understandings. But you tell us to not to lean on our own understandings, but in all of our ways acknowledge Him. He shall direct our paths. Living a life that is pleasing to God, it's just, just sitting and just serving Him and worshiping Him and loving Him and just being obedient as He guides our life and puts the desires in our hearts. And we'll see here in Ephesians, Paul continues in that, if you remember as we continue. But today he's going to talk about the mystery, the revealed mystery, that has been part of God's plan from the very beginning, and we will see that in these verses alone today. We'll only take verses 1 through 3, or 1 through 3, yeah, 1 through 13. We might only get through 1 through 3 if I, I keep going here, but... I'm going to read verses 1 through 13, follow along with me, and then we will be able to take verse by verse. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, "...how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not known or was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets." that the Gentiles, this is what the mystery is, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am, I, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ, Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Now, as we take a look at these verses, we're going to find that he starts right off by saying, for this reason. And if you will notice in the verse 1, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, you'll notice there's a pause there in your Bibles. It means he started to pray for these people he was going to write a prayer out but then he stops and he like and i love paul because here's a man as you studied we've been continuing to study the scriptures here's a man who could think 10 15 20 complex uh you know depths of god thoughts and 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 just put them all together and keep moving and go from here and then come over here and talk about this one and takes it here and he does the same thing in this chapter or part of the letter he's starting to To pray, but he stops, and he says, wait, wait, wait. In his mind, I've got a few more things I want to lay out here for you about the mystery, the revealed mystery of Christ here to the Gentiles. And then you'll notice in verse 14, he picks up and goes back into prayer. So notice in verse 1, he starts praying. He takes a, 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 a pause to bring some more clarity within the letter by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and then he picks back up again in verse 14, For this reason, he starts all over again. Say, for this reason, I bow my knees. I mean, for this reason, I'm going to pray for you, and why I'm praying for you. And he picks it up, which will be hopefully next week. But for this reason, what reason is he talking about? Well, if you remember that, you go back into the go a little bit further back into the letter that he wrote, in this case we refer to it as chapter two, and we'll look at verses 21 and 22 that in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. And for this reason, for this reason, this is why I'm, I'm going to pray for you because as a believer, God has bringing you together as Jesus is our cornerstone that we read or we studied last week as well about being our cornerstone, being the the foundation of our bringing people together into form of of what we refer to as the church body or the church that he is, is bringing together by his work. Fitting together for his purpose, for his glory. A holy temple in the Lord. A dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The, the Spirit of God dwells within His people, within the, the body of believers that gather together. His Spirit moves to reveal Himself to you and to me. Not only individually, but as a corporate body. And the value that it is of a gathering together and not in, to forsake the fellowship that we see in the Scripture. Do not forsake the fellowship because that is where God brings his people together. That's where he dwells, where two or more are gathered in his name. He is amongst us. He is amongst us today and he is using his word to speak to you clearly that can just go right into the heart of the issue. Or how to encourage you or comfort you or to heal you. How to use the body of Christ for the purposes to help you. Or to use you in the life of someone else. We're a family of God. And for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Notice that, and if you remember, Paul is it's one of the prison epistles here. It's, he's in the Roman jail. He's, he's finding himself there. But he's saying that I'm the prisoner of Christ Jesus I'm not the prisoner of Rome I'm not the prisoner of of the authorities I'm not a prisoner for I am prisoner of he understood that he is captivated by his the messiah he is captivated by his his savior and it's exactly where he wants to be He knew that he was in a physical prison In the situation he found himself because that was God's plan. That was for God's purpose. And he says, I just go where I'm a prisoner of of Christ, the Messiah. I do what he tells me to do. I go where he tells me to go. I'm completely captivated by him. But he says there, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. God has taken my life, he says. He's captivated it. And he captivated my life for a purpose and a plan in my life. And that was to reach you, the Gentiles. That's what my life is all about. That was the calling that God has given me, and I have just been doing nothing but being captivated and doing that day by day by day. Doing what you've called, God has called me to do. And that is to reach you, the Gentiles, and he's referring to, obviously, not only those in Ephesus, but you and I as Gentiles. God working through Paul so many years ago to reach the Gentiles reached you and I for us to be saved. That is amazing. You know, so many people just, why do you read the Bible? Because the Bible is is God and and he speaks through us and shows us truth that we need to know who we are and what our purposes are. And how God works in and through our lives. And Paul is a perfect example here, but he continues and goes on here. If you notice, that the way to understand and understand the the, the revealed minister, the mystery of of Jesus Christ working in and through him. For the Gentiles, or bringing together, we'll notice here that indeed in verse 2, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. He says it started with a calling. He said it started indeed when you have heard God's word. When you have heard his voice speak to you. He has spoken to me, Paul says. I heard the dispensation of his grace of God. I understood that he, he has given me an opportunity. He has given me the ability to be a son and daughter of the living high king because of his grace, not because I've earned it. Not because I deserve it. Remember, Paul is the one who was sitting there persecuting and killing Christians. He was causing them to blaspheme the name of the Lord. He was separating families. And he was the religious leader of the orthodoxy. He was a Jewish orthodoxy leader here. But Christ saved him. Yet in the providence of God, God took him to a place called Antioch little church where he planted him to do a work. And in that Antioch church, there were Gentiles and Jews. And in that work, he understood and God revealed even before that, if you remember on the road to Damascus, when Jesus himself met him on the road of Damascus, blinded him, brought him to a point of surrender, brought him to understanding, to hear God's voice. That's where it starts. That's where it started, but that's not where it stopped, if you remember. He ended up taking him in three years into Arabia, to Araba. And that's where he took him for three years. And if you remember the scriptures, he spoke and met with Paul directly, revealing himself to him directly. He even taught him, if you remember the scriptures, he even taught him how the the whole thing with the, the, um, the Last Supper played out. And the meaning behind the Last Supper. But through that time of preparation in the desert, God was working in and through Paul for the purpose with a calling on his life to go and reach the Gentiles. Even though he was the poster child you would think to go to the Jews since he was the head of the Jews of the highest Supreme Court. Trained by the best. The Pharisees of Pharisees. The tribe of Benjamin. Circumcised on the eighth day. Studied under the greatest of leaders. You would think, man, he's a poster child. Send him to Jerusalem. He's going to go storm the castle there. Or in this case, storm the temple there. But no. God said, no, no. I have a calling on your life. And by grace, I'm going to send you for the purpose of reaching the Gentiles. Remember, here's a man who looked at Gentiles and called them dogs. Who woke up, most all of them woke up in the morning and said, Oh God, I'm so thankful that I am, I'm not a Gentile, I'm not a dog, I'm not a woman. That's their prayer life back in those days. But then God looks and says, perfect, you're the person I need to send to the Gentiles. because I will get all the credit when I work through your life to teach or to, to reach the world do you know God still works like that in your life and my life he'll take you places he'll have a calling on your life that you thought would you would never do never you've said it multiple times I'll never never <laughs> go there hello you're here I'll never, ever go up and do that. Hello, you did. God has a way to work a calling in your life when you get saved. And eventually he'll work it out. He's going to have his way. You know, I hope you come to realize you can wrestle with God. Go at it. (laughs) it's <laughs> just going to hurt a little bit but you're, eventually you're going to come around to do what God's called you to do as a child of God he's, he's, he's father That's going to have his way and don't we want him to have his way because he's a good good father did you not worship that today did you not lift, lift up your voice and from your heart say he's a good good father right one who's working in your life, one who loves you, wants the best in your life? See, Paul knew from the very beginning of his Christian life that God had called him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And he was not disobedient to that calling. You never find in the scriptures where he was a rebellious uh, child of God and took off and tried to do some other things that, uh, that he just wanted to do his own thing and go to his own places. But wherever Paul ministered, he found local churches comprised of both Jews and Gentiles because he understood, as we studied back in Galatians chapter 3, that one in Christ Jesus, that as a child of God, and you look at the, the, the diversity of the children of God and all the facets you can look at, is still one church body. There's not separate churches. And Paul understood that because Paul was the apostle of, to the Gentiles. The challenge has. Is because he understood the truth because Jesus told him directly there in his preparation in the desert. And as he's working, as God planted him in certain churches, God is revealing truth and deeper truth to him. And he's sharing the fact that the mystery, the revealed mystery is that the Jews and the Gentiles would dwell in the same body called the church into eternity. And he passionately shared that. But because of that, you remember the Jews, believers in Jerusalem, did not like him. They actually accused him of being prejudiced against his own people. And as he was going around, he was collecting the the, the gifts and the offerings from the Gentile churches to gather them together, if you remember, and to bring it to Jerusalem to show love from the Gentile believers. Because people in Jerusalem were suffering. They were lacking in the believers there. So he was showing love and says, no, these people love you. We're we're one body. We're we're all children of God. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile or male or female. None of that matters. We're all a child of God. But when, remember the story when you get down and you just look at Acts chapter 19, 20, 21, 22 time frame. You'll go back and you read that. You'll see what happened. He went down there and it shows that the Judean believers received the gift. They had no problem receiving the money and receiving the gifts from the Gentiles. And as he's interacting in Jerusalem and he's going about and, and th- through and forth. Remember who came with them. One of the guys was Trophimus. Or Trophimus? Trophimus. And he was a ephesian gentile that came with paul to deliver the goods and there they are among the people but here's what happened as you remember the story paul goes in he wants to go into the temple it's that time he wants to to go into the temple he wants to be part of that and because he's been out and about you have to go through the ritual cleansings and the washings and all the stuff to work your way through the inner courts and to get to the outer courts into the inner courts but that's what happens The Jews that were up there in in the Asian minor, in the Asian area where Paul is ministering to these Gentiles, they take note and say, oh, we saw Paul. We saw him hanging around with some Gentiles in the city. And now we see him in the temple. I bet you he brought these Greek uh, Gentiles into the temple. They defiled the temple. They caused all kinds of ruckus, if you remember. To a point where the mob started coming after him and the Antonio Fortress, the, the Roman guards had to come down and rescue Paul and pull him up and out of there or they were going to pull him apart. But that didn't stop Paul, now did it? This man had a backbone empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he says to the, the captain, wait a minute, let me say one more thing to the people. <laughs> Paul, you're about to be pulled apart limb by limb, and you want to say one more thing? Yes, he did, because he says, I'm willing. Remember, it goes back in the story. Before he even left, what did the Gentile believers pray for him before he left? Paul, don't go. You're going to get killed they're going to come after you and he says i will die for jesus christ and now he found himself in the situation where they wanted to kill him and he says i want one more word and what did he do he shared the t- his testimony and everything was fine until he said the word what do you know the scripture Until he said, God had called me to reach the Gentiles. And as soon as he said the word Gentiles, they came unglued. They had to rescue. They put them into prison to take them. And then he said, wait, 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 wait. And we know the story. You go back into the book of Acts, you'll see it follow through how he ends up getting to Rome. He's now in prison and he's writing to the Ephesians again of what took place. God had a calling. So many times as Christians, oh, things are just not going well. It cannot be the will of God. What what do we need to do different? We shouldn't be in pain. We shouldn't be suffering. We shouldn't have these people coming against us. What do we need to change? Something must not be the will of God. No. It could be exactly the will of God that you have to go through this pain and suffering. These challenges and situations you find yourself in. Because God is going to use it to reach People. God is going to use it to refine you, to mold and shape you for his purposes, for a calling that he has on your life, and he has shown that to you, or he will be showing it to you as you continue to grow and mature in your relationship with him. Do you believe that? By faith, do you believe that? That God has saved you and has given you a calling for his purpose, according to his plan. Because it's by grace of God given to you for that purpose. And it starts by hearing his voice. It starts by hearing what he has for you. Do you have ears to hear? Paul certainly did. He brought that offering. He went through the challenge. He went into the prisons. He went, but he says, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I know that he brought me here. If you remember in, uh, in Ephesians, um, uh, Ephesians 1, verse 1, I, Paul, am an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. And here in chapter 3, verse 1, he says... I am Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. So not only am I am what I am by the grace of God, but I am where? I am to be where by the grace of God. And as we understand these truths in our lives that you are who you are in Christ by the grace of God... That wherever He has you planted today, you are exactly where He wants you to be by the grace of God. That's why we can live contently. Because we know our home is in heaven. This is just temporary. So it's only a matter of time of God is going to move you, but you don't have to look to move because He does the moving. We screw it up when we try to make our move ourselves. I'm going to make this happen. Oh, this will be fun. <laughs> Hello. come you Call for prayer when you need it. <laughs> it's not going to be easy for you. But when God is doing the move, you know that you're exactly, I am where I'm supposed to be. Even if it finds yourself being in prison. Paul didn't do anything wrong. Paul did exactly what he was supposed to do. He didn't do anything wrong. illegal. It was just the world coming after him for his position of truth in speaking truth of who jesus christ is that through got him into prison but keep in mind the story gets better does it not he's here in the prison of rome and he says i'm in the, i am the prisoner of christ jesus i am in the middle of a prison of rome I am shackled 24-7 to a Roman soldier and I get to share the gospel every six hours when they change uh, uh, soldiers. He's got a guaranteed audience to share the gospel of Christ. I mean, what better place than Paul knows he's going to be is to be able to sit there and be chained. And he's over and over, new people come in and he's just sharing the truths of God. You know that you go back the go listen to, go back in Acts, and you can see how oh this person greets you oh this person in love greets you oh this person greets you oh the family of Cornelius greets you. That means he was reaching these people out there, and they're getting saved. He's exactly where God wanted him to be in the middle of a prison of Rome to do the work that he needs to do. So when you sit there and say, oh, i got to get a change of jobs and all that kind of stuff, just know you're exactly where God wants you to be. And when he wants you to move, he'll put the desires for you to move. and He'll Not to escape from the issue, but to embrace this is exactly where the grace of God has you and to use that for his purpose. And when you're done doing what he's called you to do in that environment, he says, now I'm going to move you. Oh, really? I'm so content exactly where I'm supposed to be. It's been tough. But God's moving. Okay, here we go. He's got something new for you. And God's doing the work. The dispensation of grace. God working in and through a life of a person. Verse 3. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit, of, by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. What did he reveal? Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, one. Two, of the same body, the church body. And three, partakers of his promises in Christ through the gospel. So we see here that by the grace of God, God spoke to Paul. We see in verse 3 that then God himself, he, the Father, has a revelation given to Paul And we talked about that already in three years in Arabia where he is in the desert and there he is speaking to him the mystery of, uh, of, uh, of Christ where he is revealing that directly to Paul so he understood from the beginning of time this was the Father's plan to bring the Jews and the Gentiles into the same body. We see it in verse, verse 6, three things that he's done. The mystery is where? That we be fellow heirs. You're both, you're a child of God. You are both adopted into the same family. You are both heirs of the blessings that come from being in that position. The Jews are not separate from the Gentiles. There should not be any separation. If you're, the only separation we have is believers and non-believers. There is no other groups. And then we dwell in unity because we're both heirs, or we're all heirs of Christ. But he revealed that to Paul, this mystery. And Paul wrote about it in Galatians 1 and in chapter 2. He's been bringing it through, he makes it very clear here. For some reason, he stopped his prayer. Let me bring clarity a little bit more so you don't forget the three points. I'm going to say it three times, I'm going to write it three times so you don't forget this. The Jews and the Gentiles are equal, there is not one more spiritual than another. No one is more spiritual than another. You're a child of God. You've been adopted in the family of God. That is it. And any one of us think we're more spiritual than someone else, you are wrong. So many times you, I've met some really incredible born-again believers who were Jewish and followed the orthodox rule. Orthodox. Rules and, and the laws and the, the dietaries and all this stuff because here's what happened. You follow that your whole life. You're following these rules and regulations and rituals and, and the things you can and cannot do within that religion. It becomes a it just becomes lifestyle, robotic. No meaning behind it. It's just like, well, this is what we always did. This is what our family does. We go to church on Sunday. Well, why do you go to church on Sunday? Well, I don't know. What what we do. Because we have a good breakfast afterwards. For some reason, mom, grandma says we have to dress up and have to go to church. But there's no meaning behind it. You're just showing up. And here you are, you're a Jewish belief, uh, Jewish orthodox jew and you're following the rituals you're following to the t you're doing all your prayers exactly the way everything's supposed to do it's all lined out in the rules and regulations based on even on the old testament right but here comes god and the grace of god comes in and he removes the wall of of separation he removes the wall that separated the jews from the gentiles and says you're now one you're co-heirs you're going to be this in part of the same body I call the church. And in part of my design is that you're going to all partake of his promises in Christ through the gospel. That Jesus died on the cross for all. His blood covers all blood, all, all sins for all people. But get this, catch this, catch this. Here's the Jews, you've been following these rules and regulations and their drudgeries and the burdens and the heaviness of religiosity. You can't go to church without dressed up. You can't go there without wearing a hat. You can't go there without having wearing a dress. You can't go there. With, you know, all these religiosity kinds of things that are placed on people, even in the Jewish faith. But here's, here's the, this is the kicker right here. Now, God is saying to the Gentiles who never had to live after all of those religious rules, lived heathens, lived like the world, And God says, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become co-heirs, co-partakers. You are in the same body. One church. Can you get it? What? I've been living like this, and they get to walk in some yahoo from the streets of Gentiles we used to call dogs are coming in, and we're now co-heirs? They didn't have to do any of this. They didn't have to dress up all these years and go and get circumcised and eat these dietary rules and all these. They came to come in and do it. Hallelujah, right? Isn't that a hallelujah for me and you? Because we as Gentiles did not have to. And here's the challenge. We went through book of Galatians if you remember. Jewish believers wanted to believe that you still had to go through these Jewish rituals these religious things to be able to be really in God's favor and God's family because you had to really do these things and kind of keep some of these Jewish rules and rituals and know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior that's, that's religion and Paul was working on that. say no 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 that not, that doesn't none of that saves you it's just putting faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior that only saves you. Here's the Gentiles who didn't have to do any of that growing up. They didn't have to follow any of those rules. And now God says by his grace, you're co-heirs, co-partakers. You're part of the same church body. You can see the strife and the challenges between that. But that's grace. And we see that he very much brings this. Paul brings this to light. That when Christ went to the cross, it wasn't just about dying for sinners. The part of the plan of God was not only to die for sinners, but to bring The division between people together in unity, a oneness. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, it does not matter your background, your color, your pedigree, your family name, what you've accomplished, what you didn't accomplish all the failures, all your successes, none of that matters. It gets all equalized by the grace of God into the the house of God. Isn't that an amen? And you did nothing for it because you can't earn it. It is a free gift of salvation. You just embrace it. And that God, as he comes into your life, that's what happens when you're born again. The spirit of God comes in and seals you for eternity as a child of God. And now he starts working and doing the work in your life. In and through your life. But notice, fellow heirs with the Jews, Spiritual riches God gave them because of His covenant with Abraham, and it wasn't just for the Jews. But God's plan from the before the time, He says, "I'm going to bring the Gentiles in with the Jews." And two, the Gentiles are also fellow members of the body of Christ, the Church. There is one body. Our human birth determines our racial distinctions. But our spiritual birth unites us as members of the same body. Christ is the head of this body. And each individual member shares in the ministry. And finally, you see the third thing here in verse 6. Finally, this new relationship. The Gentiles are partakers of God's promises. They were once, if you remember, outside of those promises. Outside of all those covenants that God gave His the, the nation of Israel but now they are no longer on the outside looking in no longer saying that these claims these promises of God that gave to the nation of Israel they are not for you now God says oh they've always been for you now you're going to receive the promises that I've given to the nation I will give you the promises here as well the ages in the old testament god did not reveal this mystery of the gentiles and jews becoming one god was using the nation of israel to be an example to be a light to be as we studied earlier in the first part of the ephesians and they chose not to do what God called them to, be, to do. That they took the, what should have been the light and been an example and they turn it to darkness and they cast these Gentiles away and kept them away and wanted them far away as can be. Completely opposite of what God's plan is. The revealed mystery is not, of course, not that Gentiles would be saved. Because if you remember, in the Old Testament, God said that the Gentiles would be saved. So it wasn't a question in the Old Testament, would the Gentiles be saved? Because it is in the Old Testament. But what the Jews could not do is fathom how God and what God, was what was was that going to look like? Okay, they're going to be saved. It's in the scripture. Okay, let's breeze over that. Let's not teach that part. You know, let's just go over the other parts. We don't like that part of the scriptures. Let's just not read it. But it does not stop the truth of the fact that they were going to get saved, but they wouldn't uh, accept the fact that God would bring them together oneness with them as the Jews. They just couldn't fathom that. Because their prejudice was stopping them from seeing the love and the unity that God has between people. And that cannot happen. It happened then, it can happen today, and we must be very careful not to let that happen. But the fact that not only the Gentiles were going to be saved and we see that in the Old Testament, but rather that the, the believing Jews and Gentiles were going to be joined together in the same family to do the things together to, for the kingdom of God. They were going to be worshiping God together. They were going to serve together. They are going to, to be a oneness together in Christ. In verse 7, of which I became a minister... Not only did he hear from God, not only did he get a revelation from God of what he was going to do. And you notice in verse 4 that you might read the word of God. You must read the word of God. I'm going to say it one more time if you don't catch the first. You must read the word of God because there is power in when you read the word of God. Don't let us be fooled. If you don't read the word of God and think that God is, you're going to hear from God and be directed by God and understand the calling of God, you're, you've, you've, you've lost it. You must read the, the word of God because that is how he speaks to you and I and directs our lives. That's how he confirms things in your lives. What direction to take. What path to turn. But if you're not in the word of God, you're not going to hear from the word of God. And then you're going to aimlessly be leaning on your own understanding. So Paul says here, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. But notice here in verse 7, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. So he says... All I'm doing here is God revealed this to me. I continue to draw on his knowledge as I read his word and speak to him and and draw close to him. He continues to to reveal these things to me. He's revealed it clarity to me. I'm completely living my day in and day out of my life, reaching the Gentiles, both Gentiles and Jews, whoever God allows me to. And I become a minister or a servant of God doing this. That's what my God's called me to do. According to the gift of the grace that God had given. He understood God. God's calling on his life to reach these Gentiles was a total gift. It was a total gift of grace. He did not deserve it whatsoever. He was the most the killer of all killers for Christians. How could he go out now and tell them about the saving grace of Jesus Christ? Well, guess what? It's the grace of God that he takes Paul and uses him for God's glory. Not only does he minister, but he doesn't do it in his own power. He does it effective working. To be effective in the ministry, you have to have his power, the Holy Spirit. If you do not have his power in the ministry, you will not have an effective work. If God has called you to be a father, you cannot be an effective father... Working as an effective godly father apart from the spirit of God working in your life. Moms. God has called you to be a mom. You cannot be effective work raising those children to be a wife, to be a mother, to juggle it all. Apart from the Holy Spirit empowering you to do that work. You're drained. You can become drained At work, at home, because we so many times rely upon our own strength and our own understanding to do the things that God's called you to do. You and I must trust and ask the Holy Spirit to empower us to baptize with His Spirit, to empower us to do the work that He's called us to do to be effective. When are you the most effective? When you're on your knees and you're completely burdened and troubled and heavy laden. And you just struggling trying to make it through the day. And you finally come to God and say, God help me. And he says, oh, got your attention. All right. Here we go. And he infuses in the power to lift you up to get you through that day. We need to start the day. To be empowered to do the work he's called you to do that day. And how do you know what that work is? By asking him. It's called prayer. God, what do you have for me today? What are you going to give me the strength to do? Because if you do something he hasn't called you to do, he's not going to give you the strength to do it. It's outside his will. So seek him. That's what Paul is saying here. I am called to become a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and it's to me, verse 8, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Are you kidding me? God is going to call me to be a minister to the Gentiles who I used to kill? Are you kidding? I'm the least of all these saints that I'm looking at. I don't deserve any of this. You're right, Paul. You don't. That's God's grace. That's why God says, I'm going to still do it. He said, I'm the least of all of the saints. This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Oh, I've read that, Pastor. Yeah, I've read the whole Bible. Great. Keep reading because it's unsearchable. You'll never end of his knowledge. And the depths and the widths, and the, the, you cannot get enough. You'll never reach to where you go, wow, I, I really almost know more than, you know, I should. No, no. It's the unsearchable riches of Christ. Ask anyone who has been a faithful believer studying the Word of God, find someone who is in their 70s, 80s, 90s if you can find someone who's been just in the word of God and ask them, have you ever got to a point in your life where you said, Psh, heard it, done it, read it, don't need it. No, they'll say, I continue to learn more about my Lord and more about who I am and the riches of Christ after 50, 60 years of reading the word of God. I remember Billy Graham in his Many of his conversations, and and even Chuck Smith, many great men God is empowered to do an effective work in the ministry. And they all said, I just never, never reached to a point where I just, I just, I kept learning and he kept taking me deeper and deeper and deeper into the things of God. We're going to go into eternity continuing to learn the depths, the unsearchable depths of God. It never gets boring, for sure. And he says in verse 9, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages had not had been seen, had been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. Now keep in mind here, look at this. He says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom, manifold is the Facets, the multicolor, the, every time you look at it, you see a different color. It's, it's, a, it's just magnificent wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Get this. This is something new for many. God, from the very beginning of time, knew he would be bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together in oneness. One body. All equal heirs of God. All partaking in the promises of God. But did you notice the verses here? The verse 10. That God, in his timing... When Jesus went to the cross and died on the, for the sins of the world. Was raised from the dead. All of that you could see through the Old Testament. But nowhere in the Old Testament do you see the prophecy and the teaching. That the Jews and the Gentiles would become one. One. Not even the principalities and the powers, the good and bad angels, knew God's plan until that moment when he was resurrected and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He created the church at Pentecost. Get this. You and I think the angels are all omniscient. They can hear and see and they knew everything. Not true. They didn't even know the mystery of what God was going to do to bring the children of God into one body, the Jews and the Gentiles. They're sitting there. The good angels are looking down going, oh, my gosh. They're seeing what's going on in the church. It's like, look at Christ with the cross. There he's resurrected. Now look at what God is doing. He's bringing people into oneness. They're being born again. The Spirit is coming inside. That was all new to them. They did not know that. Satan, if he knew that ahead of time, don't you think he used and did something different in regards to bringing the unity of the church and stop the church? He didn't even know it. It was a mystery. God was working in a way that was, even the principalities and the powers didn't even know this great secret. And how God was going to create the body called the church. And he was going to bring them together. And all of them are just in awe of seeing God's plan of how he was going to play this all out. And they're watching from above and watching and and we don't even see them. Amazing. The manifold wisdom of God. Certainly, the angels knew about the power of God as seen in his creation. But the wisdom of God is seen in his new creation, the church is something new to them. Unsaved men, including included wise philosophers, looked at God's plan of salvation and considered it foolish, if you remember. Wise men think this is foolish of salvation as being uh, to be able to save and, and do that. But the angels watched out working of God's salvation and they praise his wisdom as we see here, the manifold wisdom that even Paul calls it such an incredible thing of God. But think about the evil angels. Think of their viewpoint of this. They're sitting there looking at these evil angels learning from God's mystery here. He says, they're looking and saying, Satan, why didn't you know this? You knew all these things right up to his death on the cross, but why didn't you see and know the fact that God was going to bring the Gentiles and Jews into one body called the church? Why didn't you know? So Satan was not omniscient. He doesn't know everything, and he is limited. Because Satan does not have any wisdom. Yes, Satan knows the Bible. He understood the Old Testament scriptures. He understood that there was a Savior would come, when he would come, how he would come, where he would come. Satan even understood why he was coming. But it was limited in the fact that it was, as far as redemption is concerned, he and, and how that was going to play out into the one body and bringing people into oneness for the church. That he did not understand and know. Because nowhere in the Old Testament... Would Satan find any prophecy concerning the church? It was the mystery of the Jews and the Gentiles being united into one body. And God hid this great plan from the beginning of the world. But now he's revealed that mystery. He's revealed this oneness. We receive and understand that God is saying the stewardship of this great truth. And as we learn and God has revealed this through his scriptures to us and he speaks to us, what do you and I do with it today? Well, you and I, all believers, are to be faithful stewards as well with this great truth and go out and tell those who do not know the truth. That God can take you where you are right now in the depths of whatever evil, whatever lost, wherever you are in life. And by the blood of Jesus Christ, you can be saved, be adopted into God's family, and receive co-heirs, partakers of the one body. Why is that important? He saved you. Why would we be so selfish to be saved and then not wanting to go tell other people about the saving grace of God? Why would you want to be so selfish not to share the gospel with those in desperate need, just like you and I were, in desperation of being saved? He'll empower you to do the work just like he did with Paul. That's if you believe. That's if you're born again. You will have a heart for the loss. You will have a heart to reach those that God brings across you and gives you the, okay... Share the gospel with this guy right here. I just brought him across. He needs to desperately hear the truth because he just got out of federal prison and he has no hope. He just killed someone. He has no hope. That kid right there is just about to commit suicide. I need you to go over and give him hope. Over to 20 years of being around in the ministry, I can tell you, I have seen with my own eyes and experienced why God has worked through people to touch the life of someone who's right on the edge of giving up. And they need to know they can become a child of God and be loved and be forgiven and have eternal hope. And watch a life change in front of you. There's nothing greater than to see a life changed and we'll end here he says uh, it's according to the eternal purpose God has a purpose a plan and it was accomplished through Christ Jesus our Lord And verse 12 in whom we have boldness a freedom of speech is what the Greek says here. You have the freedom of speech, a boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. How are you going to go out and reach the loss? Because here we see that God has given you boldness and access with confidence through the faith in Jesus Christ. You can only go out and do that when you know without a shadow of a doubt in your mind that Jesus has saved you. And when you have that boldness, that access, that confidence, that clarity of confidence, you will not hesitate to share that truth with someone who is dying in their sins nothing will stop you. Nothing, no one, no feeling that you're struggling with will stop you from sharing the truth with someone who is dying. Because the Holy Spirit is going to empower you to do it. You just need to do it. And then he ends, Therefore I ask, that you do not lose heart. <laughs> he says to the Ephesians, don't lose heart. The tribulation I'm going through right now in the middle of this Roman prison and being beaten up, almost killed, and for my don't be shaken by that. Do not be lose heart on that, which is your glory, right? He went this tribulation for them for their glory, for their purpose. He says, don't lose heart. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. Why? Because it's a revealed mystery that has come to light in this age. It didn't come to light in the earlier ages, but it was still part of God's plan is to bring to light the mystery of bringing all of us into oneness. One church body, all children of God, receiving the promises of God all the way through into eternity. Amen? What a blessing.